I'd like to share with you a thought or a challenge, a message today that goes with what we can all relate to, especially this time of year. Um, it's an interesting thought. You can go ahead and put the screen up, uh, Brother Brad or Brother Jason. I appreciate it so much. Um, I had been thinking for several weeks now on the subject of talking about Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I think it's fitting that this is the last words of Jesus before he ascends. And of course, we know Matthew 28 records some of his words, but this one specifically says right after this verse, he was taken up. So he makes a very, very powerful statement. And in that statement, he, he tells the disciples, he tells the church. Now remember, this is after the crucifixion and the resurrection. So the salvation of man is now set. The Holy Spirit's role is going to be very defined clearly in the New Testament, the church, uh, church age epistles and so on, in which we live today in 2024. And the Bible tells us what we receive when the Holy Ghost is upon us. Now let's hold that thought, thought for just a second. Several years ago, I was in a car driving with a man. I won't even say the state. I won't say anything to protect his identity. But he used to work for the federal government, and he had, he had high-level security. And uh, I, I, I love, I'm, in, I'm one of those inquiring minds wants to know. I always ask questions when I'm around people like that. And, and I just kept asking questions, and he often would say, if I told you, I'd have to kill you, you know, that kind of answer. But in our conversation, he said, this was probably five or six, seven years ago, he said, the greatest fear our federal government has and our military has is the possibility of an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse bomb. How many of you ever heard of that before? Raise your hand. All right. Okay, good. Quite a few of you had. I forget. How many of you have never heard of an electromagnetic pulse bomb? All right. There's lots of information on it. Uh, I verified that by going to YouTube this past week and watching YouTube. And, and uh, I watched, uh, I read some articles about it on Google. But again, I, my mind went back to that conversation I had with a man who literally worked for the federal government. And they said uh, our military, more than terrorist attacks, more than a nuclear bomb, more than, although a nuclear bomb could cause this, and, and I won't get into all the details of that, or a dirty bomb or anything like that, they are watching 24-7 for an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse bomb. Well, what is an electromagnetic pulse bomb? Electroma elect electromagnetic pulse bomb, also referred to as a transient electromagnetic disturbance, or a TED, TED, is a brief burst of electromagnetic energy the origin of an EMP can be natural or artificial, meaning man can create a bomb that would detonate, that would detonate to cause these problems. And I'll get to the problems in just a second. Or a solar storm, the sun and its energy, or, or even a comet or some kind of powerful energy that close enough to the Earth would disrupt it. And what it does is it's an electromagnetic field, and as an electric field or a magnetic field, it, it, then, it, it then messes up with conducted electrical currents. Now, I'll explain it all in layman's terms in just a second. The first recorded damage from electromagnetic pulse bomb came with a solar storm in 1859. So it was not even a man-made bomb, it was a solar storm. It was so powerful that the Caribbean folks saw uh, the northern lights or the auroras. And people then thought the world was going to end because they had never seen the auroras at night. Of course, if you live up north, you see the auroras. Alaska's famous for Canada, many parts of Russia, Iceland, Greenland, you see the auroras. My wife and I went to Alaska last year to see the auroras, an amazing sight. But this solar storm caused it to come so far down that the Caribbean Sea, people of the Caribbean saw it. What it does, in layman's terms, is it takes the power out of everything. And the only cars that would work would be cars that are 1999 and older vehicles. So if your car is 2000 and younger, your car won't start when an electromagnetic pulse bomb goes off. It also means that all the power of our area is gone. It would be a catastrophic event. Catastrophic. 
Imagine this time of year, as cold as it is, not having electric, electricity to power up your house. Imagine not being able to use a microwave or a stove or an oven. Imagine not being able to use your cell phone. What would we do without power to charge cell phones? In fact, they believe, one video I saw said cell phones will be obliterated if an electromagnetic pulse bomb went off. Now, this is real. This is real talk. This is something that really could happen. And many suspect that our enemies would love to see the demise or the fall of America by using an electromagnetic pulse bomb to attack the United States of America. And that's probably the only way you would bring this great nation to its knees. It would cripple our country if all of the whole country lost power and had no power. Imagine what it would do to our country, all right? Now, here's what you're saying. Here's what you're thinking. Preacher, my goodness, man. Second Sunday of January in, you're trying to scare us? No, I'm not trying to scare you at all. This is real stuff. Look it up. And what would concern me more is that we would be more afraid of losing the power to our house than living the Christian life without the power of God. Because there is no greater power on this planet than the power of the Holy Spirit. None. Now, you say, preacher, are you nervous about the electromagnetic pulse bomb? I mean, surely I, I, I'm, there's some concerns, humanly speaking, as a husband and a father. But can I tell you something? If it happens, I believe the rapture is right around the corner, if not at the same time. So church, if you're saved today, you've got something to look forward to. I mean, praise the Lord, the rapture could happen any time. And the fact that this is becoming more and more knowledge, I was impressed to see 75% of this crowd raise their hand that you have heard about this. This isn't Hollywood, this isn't fiction. Brother Coons, you know what I'm talking about. You've heard about this. We've had conversations about this before, how real this is. And yet Christians all over America would be more concerned about this than they are about walking in the Christian life without the power of God. The power of God. You understand that Jesus said in this verse, the last thing he says before he leaves is that, when I, as I leave now, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, don't miss that now. We'll get to that in just a second and teach you something and end this message on a very positive note. But Jesus says that you're going to have the power of God on your life. You're going to have access to the power of God. The word power in this verse is the Greek word dunamis. D-U-N-A-M-I-S, using English letters for it. Dunamis is the root word for our English word dynamite. Or as the toddler would say, Dynamite, amen. Dynamite. I like dynamite. How many of y'all have ever heard uh, about dynamite before, right? We all know what dynamite is. TNT in the Bugs Bunny movies and Wile E. Coyote movies. That little red stick with a long wick that said TNT on it, and they would light it, and all of a sudden, you know, they're throwing it in and out of their little train cars, and then kaboom, something explodes. The story is told about a man down south who was an excellent fisherman, and he went out every single day, and he would come in with a boat full of fish, and all he carried was two pails with him. And, and all the other fishermen in the area got very jealous of him and tried to figure out what the secret to his success was. So they began to tattletale uh, to the, to the uh, warden, the game warden around there, about, what his, about this man's success. And so the warden came to him and said, tomorrow may I go with you fishing? And he said, yes, sure, I'd love to have you. So the next morning, early out, he got into the boat and they went out to his spot. And he's out there in the middle of the lake. And he had two pails. And the warden looked at him and said, what are you going to fish with? He says, I'll get to that in just a second. He said, what are the two pails for? He goes, well, this one pail is my lunch. My wife made my lunch, and I'm going to eat my lunch. And he said, what's in the second pail? He opened it up and pulled out a stick of dynamite. He lit it and handed it to the warden. And the warden said, what are you going to do with this? He goes, I'm fishing with it. He goes, you can't fish with this. He goes, sir, I would throw it in the water as soon as possible if I were you. So he chucked it overboard and hit the water. Boom! The boat goes up a few feet, lands, and fish fly everywhere and land in his boat, and that's how he went fishing. <laughs> 
And the warden was shocked by that. And he says, you can't do that. He goes, it's a whole lot faster and easier than using one pole to try to catch all these fish. And so many Christians today are walking through this Christian life and they're struggling and they're frustrated and they can't figure out why they can't get set. They can't figure out why they've lost their joy. And it's because we're carrying around a pole trying to fish in this massive lake of God's resources when God says, I've given you direct access to my attributes, to my treasures, to my tools, to my gifts, to the things that make me who I am as your God. And we fail to tap into that power. Today, I want to challenge you as a Christian to seek and hunger the power of God again. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, I do want you to see this. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 4. And then we'll go back to Acts chapter 1 where we'll finish out the message and give you a few thoughts and end on a very, very encouraging, positive note. And again, I would encourage you if, if for your leisure, just go study the electromagnetic pulse bomb. It's a fascinating read. There's lots of articles and YouTube videos that explain it. <laughs> but again, the challenge, the purpose of this message today is to get us to realize that we need the power of God in our lives again. And that's one of the key steps to getting set, to getting ready for the rapture, to getting ready to get to anticipating, to anticipating these exciting days in which we live. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, for, for sake of time, the previous 13 verses talk to us about Jesus Christ being tempted in the wilderness. He had fasted for 40 days and three times Satan tempts him. You can find that same story in Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus Christ, who was not half God, half man, was 100% God and 100% man. And Jesus Christ is our example. Watch what the Bible says here. It says, and Jesus returned, verse 14, in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And Jesus Christ himself tapped into the power of the Spirit of God. Humanly speaking, even though the Son of God was God, is God himself, he is as an example to us saying, I'm going to tap into this power, this dunamis power, this dynamite power of God. If you travel this country like I have, you've grown to appreciate the power of dynamite. As you drive through many mountains and highways and interstates, you'll see two cliffs on each side. It wasn't like that before. There used to be a big mountain there, but dynamite blasted ways through there so that we could have all these interstates and highways to connect our country together. Dynamite is a powerful, powerful tool. Maybe we don't use it as much as we used to, but imagine living the Christian life with something that is as powerful as dynamite compared to something as feeble and frail as a fishing pole. And yet man, Christians, all the time in the carnal and the flesh are trying to live this victorious Christian life carrying around a little feeble fishing pole and they just get frustrated and struggle and then they hear that same old question that nobody likes to hear as question when you're fishing. Catch anything yet? Now I'm not a fisherman, but I know that. I've even seen my son now. He's, he's gotten very addicted to fishing. And boy, he says, Dad, it does really get your goat going when someone walks by and goes, so how are they biting? Have you caught anything yet? And he wants to say, shut up and leave me alone, right? You don't feel very spiritual at that time. And yet Christians feel like that all the time, and that's why we're comparing ourselves to other fishers along the bank. We're wondering why he has two fish, and she has three fish, and he has four fish, and she has six fish, and I have no fish. And then the people down the road are like, wait a minute, he's catching 12 fish. Why has he got more fish? Listen to me. There's something to a Christian who walks in the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, preacher, how do you define that? How do you know you have the power of God? I'm glad you asked. We're going to take a quick journey to get to that point. I'll be done. Number one, I want you to notice very quickly a statement. Outage affects usage. When there is a power outage, it affects usage. We as Americans really don't know what that's like. We are so blessed. I mean, there's lots of parts of this world, and I've been to these countries, where they have rolling blackouts, which means at certain times of the day, the power goes out, so they can share the power within that particular city or that community. 
I've seen it in many, many countries, especially third world countries. There's going to be times where you're just not going to get a hot shower because the power's not on at your house. You ain't got no juice at your house, right? I mean, we live in a very blessed nation. When the power goes out, usually it's back on in just a few hours. If a water main breaks in our area, it just seems like the water's back on in just a few hours. That's what the blessings of God have done for the United States of America. But we all know this, that when the power goes out, nothing in your house that needs power is of any value. All of a sudden, that big 60-inch television doesn't work any better than that little 12-inch. I don't even know if there's a 12-inch screen or not, but it doesn't work as good as it. Your laptop, when it runs out of power, nothing. This thing again, oh my, oh my. The average American today can't imagine life without this thing, right? This thing right here, oh my goodness. We won't leave our houses without it. We, won't, we, we probably have it with us at church all the time. We have it everywhere we go. We have it at work. But this thing, once it gets down to 0%, it's completely useless. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about. If somebody would invent a constant cell phone that would never lose its power, he'd be a billionaire overnight. Because we all know what it's like trying to find a way to charge our phones. We carry portable chargers now. We, we plug them at airports in, in airports while we're waiting for flights. We're so desperate for our phones. Now they have chargers in airplanes now for a one-hour flight. You can plug it into the seat in front of you and try to get some juice. And yet we as Christians today are walking around trying to live this Christian life Without the power of God. Now watch this. If the refrigerator becomes useless, if the television becomes useless, if the microwave becomes useless, guess what? The usage of God's attributes become a struggle without the power of the Holy Spirit. Which means the attribute of peace and faith and grace and mercy and, and just all the different things that God gives to us. I, I just cannot forgive them. Well, well, maybe you're trying to forgive them in your power too much and you need God's power. I just can't find peace in my life, preacher. I just can't find peace. And if we exercise the Christian life in our own power, we will have a hard time, a difficult time finding the peace of God. The power is the source which you plug in, which then now you can access faith, hope, charity, peace, grace, love, mercy, forgiveness, all these incredible things that help you live as a Christian in 2024. Galatians 5 has what's called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, temperance, long-suffering, all those nine attributes in there. Many times we fail to utilize them because we don't have the power. Outage affects usage. Number two, I'll show this one. Outage affects message today. Outages affect you. Imagine if the power went out in America right now. Imagine if all of us, if the power went out. Phones wouldn't work. Cell phones wouldn't work. How are we going to get a message out? How are we going to communicate, right? May, may I present to you this concept that the gospel is not getting out as effectively as it could be or should be because we're not plugged into the Holy Spirit's power. Jesus says in this passage here, he says, and ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. Now, boy, there's a whole other message in that word witnesses in the Greek word. I don't have time to go into it today. Maybe we'll do another study on it that, that, that later on. But it's not what you think it is. But then he says this, he says, you go out there and you're witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what this church planning conference is all about. That's what Mission Jubilee is all about in March. That's what the Seed Project is all about. We're trying as a church as best as we can to get as much money into their hands, as much prayer out there, as much encouragement, as much faith, to exercise that faith so that Christians can take the word of God to this dark world and tell them of a Jesus, a Savior who loves them and died for them and wants to save their soul. You see, today the message is being affected if we don't have the power. How many times have you, have you uh, tried to call a loved one and their phone goes straight to voicemail? 
and you start to get frustrated, and then finally you beat up with them later, and you say, what happened? My phone died. Isn't that what we say? Are y'all doing okay? Some of y'all looking at me like an Amish man in a Best Buy. Okay, let me ask the question again. How many of you ever heard somebody say, my phone died? Why do we say my phone died? Did the phone really die? That's right, the power went out. And if the power went out, why don't we just say the power went out? But we always say, my phone, my phone, my phone died. Maybe that's why Christians feel like they're dying all over the country. Because really what they're saying is the power's gone out. The power has gone out. Man, preacher, I just have this one sin, this besetting sin. Man, preacher, I just have this one struggle. Man, preacher, I just can't get victory over this one area. Man, I've asked Jesus to help me. I've asked the Holy Spirit to help me. Why can't I get victory? Maybe the power is out. Maybe the phone died. And it affects the message. It affects our message to heaven, prayer life. It affects our message from heaven, our Bible reading. And it's amazing how when the power goes out, when we are not tapped into the power of God, we miss out on the potential of living the Christian life the way it should be and could be lived. All right, so number one, outage affects usage. Number two, outage affects message. Number three, outage affects knowledge. Ooh, this is a big one. You see, last night, I know that there was a lot of, uh, like you could turn on the TV and you could see on the screen, you know, schools canceled or churches canceled or this store's closed or that store's closed. That's knowledge. That's a transference of knowledge. It's a blessing. We don't realize how much knowledge we get because of power. <clears throat> we find out about What's going on in Washington, D.C. because of power? We find out what's going on in the capital of our own state because of power. We find out a lot of things because of power. Newspapers wouldn't work without power. Even old school black and white print newspapers, you, you ain't going to print no newspapers without power. I mean, we, have, we use power for everything. Google doesn't work without power. I mean, we absolutely don't realize how much our lives are dependent upon power every single day and while we even sleep at night we need power maybe power runs that fan that gives you white noise so you can sleep at night maybe power runs that heat that keeps your bedroom warm this time of year or that fan that keeps your bedroom cool in the summertime power 24 7 it's a part of our life it gives us comforts it gives us leisures it gives us things that we really don't deserve Listen to me, there has been a society for many, many years, our grandfathers, our great-grandfathers that knew what it was like to live without power. They would survive just fine, but you take power away from us, we're going to be in trouble in three days. No, we're going to be in trouble in three hours. Right? I was watching one video on this EMP discussion, and he said, well, I'm pretty sure that the Amish will be able to run seminars on how to survive if an EMP ever hits the country. I thought that was pretty funny. There's a lot of truth to that, right? We are so dependent upon power. I mean, every single day, we don't even realize how much we're using power. We're using power right now to, to amplify my voice so you can hear me better. Power is running these fans. Power is running the heating in this building. Power is going to help our cars get there and back. Power is running the sound system up there. Power's got the lights on and the heat downstairs so our babies are warm and safe. Power, 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 power. And it will affect, it will affect. When there's an outage, it will affect knowledge. Outages affect usage. Outages affect messages. Outages affects knowledge. So what do we do, number four, and I'm done with this one. I want to spend a few minutes on this, I'm done. What do we do, church? What do we do? Here it is, you ready? Power up. Power up. Power up, church. Power up. 
And let me, let, me, let me teach you a little something today. This is a little doctrinal thing that I think would be fascinating and interesting because one of my hardest concepts to grasp as a Christian, forget the pastor, preacher side, as a Christian, as a Christian man living in this world today has been to make sure I have the Holy Spirit's power in my life. How do you know that? How do you know that? How do you know that? And is it egotistical for a Christian to stand up and say, I have the power of God in my life? No Christian should ever really say that. But the fact of the matter is God tells us to have power. So how do we know if we have power, right? Let's read it again. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. All right, let me teach you a little something here and I'll be done. Let me encourage you. This is good stuff right here. Stay with me now. Y'all doing okay? Say amen. All right, good. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But ye shall, Brother George, what's that word shall mean? Powerful word. It's guaranteed word. That means you're going to get this for sure. Ye shall receive what, church? Help me now. All right, we've already established what that is. Dunamis, Greek, dynamite, power, the kind of power that changes life. By the way, if, how many of you are saved today? You know you're going to heaven someday. You've been saved by the grace of God. You know your, your sins are forgiven. You, you would not be saved. I would not be saved without the power of God. The power of God saved us. How did Jesus resurrect from the dead? That's not even humanly possible, the power of God. How in the world did my dad, when he passed away last May, immediately enter the presence of God, the power of God? You see, it's not just constricted or limited to the human realm. The power of God is supernatural. The power of God can save you so good that the devil can't have you no more. The devil cannot penetrate the power of God. Because of how powerful the power of God is. Man, I'm almost making a tongue twister there. Peter Piper, peck the pecker, 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 pecker. Amen. Stay with me now. But ye shall receive. Come on, help me, church. Ye shall receive. After that, the who? All right, what are you going to receive? After who? Now, what does the Holy Ghost do, though? What does the Holy Ghost do here? Wait, wait, say it again. Comes upon you. Hold on a second. When you get saved, does the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit come upon you? No, he doesn't. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit indwells you. Aha! So is it possible to be saved and not, have the, not walk in the power of, of, the Christian, of, the, of the power of God in the Christian life? Absolutely. Christians do it all the time. Preachers do it all the time. I have done it in my Christian life. Ashamedly to admit, God forgive me for that. So what does that mean? What does that mean? How do you know if the power of God is upon your life? It is not as complicated as we have presented it for so long. Because I've heard preachers preach this thought. You've got to pray four hours every day to get the power of God in your life. You've got to make sure there's no sin in your life at all. You've got to be the holiest man in the world to get the power of God in your life. And I find that not what the Bible teaches. As I studied the Bible, I found out what the power of God is like. Now watch this. When you do have the power of God upon your life, all of a sudden fighting temptation and sin becomes easier. All of a sudden walking more holy becomes easier. All of a sudden, being faithful to your prayer life and Bible becomes easier because you are no longer doing it in the power of your flesh or my flesh, but rather in the power of a God who has all power, all power. Jesus says, all power is given unto me. Why? Why did Jesus earn the right to say that? Because he died and lived again three days later. He's the only one that's ever done that. And he lived a sinless life, so all power has been given unto him. Now the Holy Spirit comes to us, and now that all that power is channeled through the Holy Spirit. And so if the Holy Spirit comes upon us, not indwells us, comes upon us, help me not church, comes upon us, not indwells us, we can have access to the power of God. How do you get that? Let me ask you a simple question. How many of you have a boss today? How many of you have a boss at work today? Raise your hand if you have a boss, all right? People ask me, people say to me all the time, man, preacher, you're lucky, you pastor, you don't have a boss. I do, I have two bosses. I have Jesus and my wife. They're both my bosses anyway. But anyway, all right, how many of you have a boss? Raise your hand again if you have a boss, okay? How many of you, as, a, as, as somebody that has a boss, this week sometime your boss may give you some order to do 
some, some job, some responsibility, some task for you to do. Raise your hand if your boss is going to give you that. All right, sometimes you have things that are just expected you're going to do, right? Your boss tells you what to do, and you do it every week. Monday through Friday, you know what you're supposed to do on Monday, you know what you're supposed to do. How many know what I'm talking about right there, okay? I think everybody in this room, even if you not have a boss right now, at one point in your life, you had a boss, right? All right, then there's times your boss comes in and says, hey, I need a little extraordinary something. I need you to go do something different here. Today, I need you to do this and that. And as an employee, you do what your boss says, right? How many of you agree it's a good idea to do what your boss says? What happens if you don't do what your boss says? Well, you might get called into the office, you might get reprimanded, you might get written up, and you might even get fired, right? You're fired, right? I can't do it like Trump did, right? What does this mean here? What does it really mean? When you are working this week, you are going in the power of your boss. Your boss's authority delegated something that he or she did not choose to do to you, therefore you are exercising that task or that job because the boss is upon you. And because of a paycheck, you yield to that boss because you gotta support your family or maybe you absolutely love your job and you love your boss. Now I know a lot of folks that don't like their bosses, but they still do because they love that paycheck enough to tolerate the boss. Let me tell you something, here's, here's how getting the power of God is, it's, 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 it's simply as yielding. You know, every night when my phone battery starts to die, it, has, it never fights me when I say it's time to plug it up. I plug in that charger and it just begins to charge. You know, you know what a Christian that is walking in the power of God is? Yielded. Holy Spirit, you're my boss. Every day you expect me to pray, read my Bible, forgive, love people, I'll do that. Every once in a while he asks you to do something supernatural, like give towards a church planning conference, or give because of a missionary's need, or go on a mission trip, or do something that's out of your comfort zone, but because you are yielded to him, you have tapped into his power. Don't overcomplicate the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a daily yielding and saying, Lord, I belong to you. I'm your vessel today. How can you use me today to help somebody else's day be a little bit better? That's spirit formless. That's the power of God. It's not that complicated. Jesus doesn't say you have to jump through a whole bunch of hoops, go to college, give up everything you've ever done. Never even have a bad thought, never, da, 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 never, never miss, never miss that, never, he doesn't say any of that. He says, ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost will come upon you, boom, and then you'll be witnesses. Why does he say you're going to be witnesses? Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you have his power, it's easy to be a witness. The, the, the command to be a witness or the statement to be a witness doesn't come until he says the Holy Spirit is upon you and you have his power. Hello, it comes easy. My flesh doesn't always want to preach today, but this morning I yielded myself to the Holy Spirit, and guess what? The Holy Spirit said, Randy, I commanded you to preach. For such a time as this, you're the pastor of the church. Now get up out of that bed and put those clothes on and go preach to those folk again. Yes, sir. And immediately I wanted to. I was looking forward to it. I anticipated it. I got excited about it. Why? Because I yielded myself to him. In other words, I decided I want what he wants more than what I want what I want. That is the key to having the power of God in your life. Because the power of God is accessible to everybody. So while the world frets about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse bomb, our fret every day should be this. Lord, may I be yielded in such a way today that I might walk in your power and do as you wish. Because you are my Lord, my Master, my Savior, my friend. And I love you because you first loved me. The power of God, a key step to being set to tap into his power. Heads about eyes are closed. Thank you for listening so well today.
I've seen love come and I've seen love walk away. So many questions, will anybody stay? It's been a hard year, so many nights in tears. All of the darkness trying to fight my fears. Alone, so long, alone. I don't know who I'd be if I didn't know you. I'd probably fall off the edge. I don't know where I'd go if you ever let go. So keep me held in your hands. I've started breathing, the weight is lifted here. With you it's easy, my head is finally clear. There's nothing missing when you are by my side. I took the long road, but now I realize I'm home with you. I'm home. I don't know who I'd be if I didn't know you. I'd probably fall off the edge. I don't know where I'd go if you ever let go. So keep me held in your hands. I don't know who I'd be if I didn't know you. I'd probably fall off the edge. I don't know where I'd go if you ever let Go, so keep me held in your hands. You're my safe place, my hideaway. You're my anchor, my saving grace. You're my constant, my steadiness. You're my shelter, my oxygen. I don't know who I'd be if I didn't know you. Thank God I do. I don't know who I'd be if I didn't know you. I'd probably fall off the edge. I don't know where I'd go if you ever let go. So keep me held in your hands. I don't know who I'd be if I didn't know you. Thank God I do.